live and underway here on ESPN Plus. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I am Sebastian Salazar. Thrilled to be with you on this Thursday, October 6th. Herc, a Thursday in which we saw a U.S. men's national team midfielder start against Manchester United in don't, European don't, competition. Don't, don't, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. It's a special day for Mixed Discarude. Why are you hating? He's your former teammate, isn't he? Um, well, we were in a camp or two together, yeah. 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 Great hair. All right. Uh, got 72 minutes and the start for his team, uh, Omonia, in their 3-2 loss against Manchester United. Uh, enough on Mixed Discarude. we got plenty else to come on this edition of Football Americas. Derek Ray is going to join us. We're going to preview their Klassiker, Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund. Derek's also going to help us dive in on a couple Americans doing their thing uh, in the Bundesliga. After that, Jen Carson is going to join us. She's the producer of the E60 that everybody's talking around about all around the soccer world. Of course, truth be told, the story of the 2021 NWSL season. We'll talk about that with her. We'll also have the latest uh, as the fallout continues from the Sally Yates investigation. We do fortunately, Herc, have some games uh, to discuss. we got Liga Mekis playoffs. We've got the U.S. women against England, and we've got decision day coming up uh, in Major League Soccer. So we will make our prognostications for all of that. But let's start with the new League's Cup format. How about that, Herc? The new League's Cup format announced on Thursday. This is for next year, of course. All 47 teams between Major League Soccer and Liga Mekis will participate. We have dates now, July 21st through August 19th. The marketing monsters are out. They're, of course, calling it a World Cup-style tournament, ah, yes. Uh, 47 teams in the group phase. They're going to trim it down to 32. It'll be knockout uh, from there. The league champions will go directly into the knockout rounds. But perhaps most importantly, we have confirmation that all 77 games will be played in the U.S. and Canada. Zero games in Mexico. Herc, are you cool with it? I'm cool with it. But if you're a Mexico fan or a Mexican club fan, you should mm. not be cool with it. You should be infuriated. There are Juego Moleros, and I understand those, and you understand they're about making money, and then there is this. This is not a Juego Molero. Up for grabs money, which can help your mm. club, but also spots in the Conca Champions tournament. Legitimate spots. It's an actual competition. You are playing for something. Why can't you have home games? Yes. Because it's not as lucrative? Because the bottom dollar doesn't end or start in Mexico? Because if they could, they would have every single game, not just Mexican soccer. I'm talking about Liga Mex. I'm talking about the Mexican national. If they could, they would. They would have every single game in the U.S. This is why they are doing it. They want your money, but they don't want yeah, you to have those games. To your point about the Mexican fan, that's really who you feel kind of bad for here, right? Because they've already exported the national team. Yep. They've already taken the national team to the United States. Now they're taking the league, and it's literally going to stop. So um, I, I know that nobody north of the borders may be thinking of that. But if you're Liga Mekis, eventually you do have to worry about your domestic fans, right? You do have to fill stadiums. That is, uh, I think, somewhat important. I think the point that you raise is, is very important. You know, the tournament loses some of its... I don't know what's Luster. the right word, kind of legitimacy, like competitive yeah. legitimacy if you're not playing at home, especially if the point is to see truly who's the best between Major League Soccer and Liga Mekis, right? You can't pretend to be better than somebody if you can't go down into their home uh, and beat them, which is what Liga Mekis for the longest time did in CONCACAF Champions League. To further the point about, you know, competitive honesty, we're handing out CONCACAF Champions League spots based on this. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a flood of MLS teams probably benefiting from this uh, and maybe taking over the Champions League. I, I was interested to hear your reaction, Eric. You didn't seem like you were that bothered by it. 
I'm bothered by it because I, I like a fair competitive tournament. You also, of course, work in the world of ESPN Deportes. What was the reaction uh, on that side to the fact that there won't be any games in Mexico? Yeah, they, they're categorizing it as a juego molero, which I understand, but they're losing what's up for grabs. And the moment you have something up for grabs and you do this, what you're saying is you don't matter. Your mm. fans don't matter. That's what's going on here, and that's the disheartening spot or position for me. Myself, as a pundit, I mean, it's going to make for good TV, right? As a yes. fan, ouch. Okay, uh, early favorite. If I gave you $100, which league would you bet on to win the 2023 edition? The numbers would favor MLS, right? Because you've got 27 chances MLS. instead of 18 for Leo yeah. Mekis. MLS, because you're giving me more chances uh, I will take those odds. I am a betting man, so I would take those odds. That format with no Mexico is this edition. There could be future editions where Mexico comes into play. Okay. But I will tell you this, Seb. If it's a resounding success when it comes to the gates, I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah. And based on what we've seen in the League's Cup showcases so far this year, uh, very little reason to doubt that it won't be a resounding success at the gate, as you say. That's the League's Cup. What about Herc? The Champions League, which of course uh, is underway this week across Europe. Chelsea beating AC Milan 3-0 on Wednesday in London. It was Chelsea's first European win under Graham Potter, uh, but it did not feature Christian Pulisic, not even in a cameo role. The American international on the bench is an unused stub. So far, a grand total of 12 minutes played for Pulisic in his first three games under Potter. Herc, U.S. fans were freaking out about this. Is it something? nothing or everything it's something it can't be nothing because those are two games Compromete. let me Come tell on. you why it can't be nothing because those are two games uh and you've not played much and it's a new coach it can't be everything because your team's up 3-0 in like the 70 something minute and then you're thinking well i don't really need to come in the offensive players don't need to come in you're up 3-0 but guess who does come on it's Kai Havertz. It's Connor Gallagher. It's Armando Broja. These players are coming on. All offensive players. So that's got to open your eyes if you're Christian Pulisic. That has to terrify you if you're Christian Pulisic. That also has to infuriate you if you're Christian Pulisic. Because now it's Frank Lampard. Now it's Thomas Tuchel. And now you have Graham Potter. Mm. Neither of them have valued you enough to justify the number 10 shirt that you are wearing. Heading into a World Cup, you should be freaked out and you should do everything in your power to change that. And I'm not, mean, I'm not talking about knocking on that door, screaming, yelling, uh, asking to be let go or transferred, because that's out the window right now. You, that's not gonna change. Your position is not going to change from now into the World Cup. It's on you. You have to make a change by yourself. It's getting close to it's getting close to everything. If it's not everything just yet, I'll give us a few more days. They got they got uh, wolves on Saturday. Let's see what happens in that game because I'll buy your logic for a second, right? Hey, the game was over. Maybe you're saving him for the weekend, but then like we better see him on the weekend. And I don't want six minutes at the end of the game. I want half an hour or, or no, no, you want to maybe even a start for Christian yes. Pulisic, right? That's really what he needs. Because bottom line, Herc, is we're running out of time. Like we can say, oh, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's not everything for Christian Pulisic and the World Cup, it is everything. Look at it. It's October 6th. Right now, in a month and three days, the U.S. is going to be Except naming its we're roster. We're not running out of time. Uh, Christian Pulisic is running out of time. Those are three coaches now who have not valued the number 10, the guy who wears the number 10 jersey, a team that spent over $70 million for him. 
This is about as good as it's going to get right now in Christian Pulisic's career if he doesn't change something, if he doesn't change the way that coaches perceive him. Yeah, Graham Potter has kind of gone with three different starting attacking formations. So he's proving that he's willing to change things up, move things around a little bit at least. There's not huge changes in there. Not one of those starting lineups has featured Christian Pulisic. That's your real concern. Kind of overshadowed in all this, Herc. Serginho Dest started and got 90 minutes for AC Milan. Christian Pulisic, no matter how little he plays, is not going to lose his starting spot. I think Serginho Dest, at least there's a chance he could lose his starting spot. So those 90 minutes for me were huge for Serginho Dest, even if it didn't go all that well for AC Milan, who played uh, terribly. I think Pulisic has a better chance of losing his starting spot than, than Serginho Dest on the U.S. No. national what? team. Yeah. You think Christian Pulisic has a better shot at losing his starting spot with the U.S. than Serginho Dest? Have you seen the outside back options? Absolutely. Uh, you have no faith in DeAndre Yedlin, Cannon, <laughs> Joe Scalley. Would you stop? Why are you the way you are? Okay. Hi, there are more options at the winger position for Christian Pulisic to maybe take a seat if he's having a bad day. There are zero wow. options on either back at backside right now. If it's not Anthony Robinson, or you heard it here first on Football Americas. Hercules Gomez wants Christian Pulisic benched That's for the what World I said. Cup. Elsewhere in Why the Champions are you League, the way you are during the midweek. Herc. Uh, Napoli and Ajax squared off in Group A, and Napoli with Juki Lozano in the starting lineup absolutely destroyed Ajax by a final score of 6-1. to one. Uh, As I mentioned, Chucky started. So did Edson Alvarez. They both played the full 90 minutes. Crazy game, actually. Ajax scored first in the ninth minute. Uh, Napoli picks up three big points. They're first in the group in Champions League. They're first in Serie A. For a moment. Uh, Herc, which Mexican international saw his stock move more in this L3 Champions League showdown. So that could be positive or negative, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, by no means that Edson Alvarez or Ajax have a positive performance. But the easy answer here and the right answer, the correct answer, is Chucky Lozano. Chucky Lozano was coming off five straight games being used as a substitute. To get his first start and to go 90 minutes for Spalotti was something important because Napoli is flying. They are a machine right now, whether it's Serie A or whether it's the Champions League. So the chances... The opportunities for Chucky Lozano are going to be few and far between. He played 90 minute, no assist, unlucky, because he maybe should have had one or two, but this is a start. This is really what you need to do if you're Chucky Lozano, because those, that playing time has been limited, and we keep talking about the World Cup, but every single player that has an opportunity to go to the World Cup will be highlighting the World Cup. We'll be doing everything in their power to make sure their performances go in line with the World Cup. Hey, what did you think about our production meeting today when the production team came out with this anti-Chuki rhetoric? Everybody was, was excited to point out that he didn't have a goal or an assist, despite the fact that Napoli scored six and, and he, he did play the 90 minutes. I'll agree with him to a point. There is a drop in productivity. This guy used to get goals and assists for fun. He's got one assist across all competitions this year, Herc. Um, he's not the same player that he was. But there is signs of progress, right? It's not just this performance, this start. It's also the goal against Peru. Like, there's, there's signs of life for Chucky Lozano, which is more than you can say for pretty much everybody else in the Mexican attack. That goal, uh, that sign of life that you're talking about, signal, it was the first goal in eight months for Chucky Lozano with the Mexican national team. But it's a start. And listen, Chucky Lozano, if anything, is emotional. He is passionate. So to catch fire... To catch that buena racha, it just takes one. Hopefully, this can be the start of something. But Edson on the other side, I mean, my man's 24, 20, 25 right now. He's looking for that big money move. You're getting you're getting thrust on, on that platform, the world to see. And if you're going to go to a big team like Chelsea or a big team, a Class A type of team, those teams want to know you could be the man at the center of the midfield. I don't know if you're going to get that out of Edson Alvarez 
when your job is to protect the back line and it was shambles in the back. That They got thumped by six. It could have been easily eight or nine. It's not a good look for Edson. I don't think it's all on him, but he's easily Mexico's best performer of the last year. So when your best performer all of a sudden now is maybe struggling because we saw Mexican national team uh, and what didn't happen this last window, it's not a good sign going into the World Cup. Yeah, you use the word best performer. What if we put it this way? Do you think Edson right now is the Mexican player with the highest expectations for the World Cup under the most pressure? Like, there are other guys that might be, like, if you want to say a Chucky or a Raul, that might be, like, bigger names. But all those guys have an asterisk. We don't really expect them to do great things. Edson, based on where he's playing, how consistently he's playing, the transfer rumors that you talk about, the big clubs that he's linked to, I think in terms of, like, the Mexican press, the Mexican public, they're looking at Edson as, as the guy. He has to have a good World Cup. Yeah, he singled that as the only Class A player. Class A is when you can play in that high-level Champions League, when you play for a... Chelsea, Real Madrid, when you play for a Barcelona, when you play for these big clubs around the world, that is Class A. He's Mexico's only Class A player, labeled by pretty much the Mexican press. Unfortunately, I think that player, with all the responsibility that everybody's going to be looking at, is Memo Ochoa, and that is very telling for the Mexican national team heading into the World Cup. All right, our good friend Derek Ray is going to join us uh, in just a little bit. But before we hear from Derek, let's quickly cover some big news out of Liga MX. Herc Bumas have parted ways with their manager, Andres Lilini. This just months after he had him in the CONCACAF Champions League final, where they lost to the Seattle Sounders. And less than two years after he had him in a Liga MX final, where they lost against Leon. Herc, there are reports that Danny Alves is behind Lilini's departure. What do you make of it? All right, the report is that they forced Danny Alves down his throat and he had to play, okay? If that is true, and Andres Lilini was let go because of the results. This is on Andres Lilini. As a coach, you can't have somebody conditioned. You can't have the board conditioned who plays and who doesn't play. You leave. You do what's right. You accept the consequences for having your hand forced. You should never do that as a coach. That said, Andres Lilini, his very first season, second place, they made the final, ended up losing to Leon. Another final where they lost to the Seattle Sounders, the only Mexican club ever to lose a CCL final to an MLS team. If we look at the other tournaments, 15th place, 11th place, 11th place, 16th place this season. Four out of the five seasons, 11th or worse. Andres Lilini is the reason Andres Lilini is no longer with Pumas. Mm. Mm. Yeah, one of those trophies. If he would have won one of those finals, I feel like uh, maybe this could have lasted a little bit longer. It's disappointing because I want to give Pumas credit for trying with Danny Alves. But I hate the idea that they found a coach who had given, look, in Liga Mekis times, he was hired in the summer of 2020. That's like, that's like decades of stability, especially at a place like Pumas. So I think there was a lot that Lilini did well. Like he, did. he always Pumas for me, uh, overachieving for their talent level. There's a value there and you, you kind of let that all go out the window for a guy in Danny Alves who, let's be honest, is gonna be there what? Uh, another six months? He's gonna cost you a lot of money. Uh, in that way, I don't like it a lot. If we spin it forward, though, Herc, I'm curious, like, how interesting, how intriguing, how sexy is this Pumas job? Like, what's their candidate pool going to be like? Because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, Lilini got the job. He had, it was his first head coaching gig. Pumas is, a, is supposed to be a grande. Shouldn't they be getting, like, a bigger names than that? Yeah, do you remember how Lilini got that job? Michelle literally left the club two, three days 
before the start of the season, and he was the academy director there, and he took over, and he needed the majority of these young players because they were not star-studded, and he did good things with them. That said, since 2020, since the pandemic started, it's been repechaje, 12 teams go into the playoffs. Without repechaje, without the pandemic, Lilini would have been in one playoff. Uh, hmm. It's still a very sexy job. It's a huge name, massive name, regardless of results. It's still a huge team, uh, very popular, and there will be plenty, plenty of suitors for Pumas. I just don't know if it's the right suitors. Like, if you're in your right set of mind, if you're a top eight coach, would you want to coach Pumas right now with all the problems they have? What about your boy Tuca? What about Tuca? (laughs) What about Tuca? With his Pumas ties. Come on, bring him back. Bring him Bring him off the dustbin. What do you say? Uh, so the sporting director, Miguel Mejia Barón, uh, is very keen on Duca Ferretti. They were together at Tigres. So it seems to be the logical choice, and there's been a lot of chatter there. But last time Duca Ferretti coached in Liga MX was Juarez. Juarez ended up last place with Duca Ferretti, only scored 11 goals that season. He's been coaching nonstop for like 28, 29 years. Sometimes chapters close, sometimes cycles end. I think it's that time for Tuca. All right, Andres Lilini out at Pumas. Danny Alves still in. Danny Alves' former team, Barcelona, on ESPN Plus this weekend. In action on Sunday, uh, taking on Celta de Vigo, where we know, of course, uh, U.S. international Luca de la Torre flies his trade. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Together this Saturday on ESPN Plus, Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund will be holding our breaths on Gio Reyna. He didn't travel with Dortmund to their Champions League game midweek against Sevilla. Means he's doubtful for Saturday's big match. The young American still dealing with that injury picked up while with the national team. It's obviously. Not Reina's first injury. In fact, it's something he talked about recently with our Sam Borden for the Road to Qatar interview series. An exciting year ahead. So, um, yeah, with the World Cup and obviously with Dortmund. So, um, yeah, it's just all looking forward now. It was a pretty bad year just overall. But, uh, yeah, just putting that behind. We've 
talk to athletes who have been able to kind of draw some kind of connective link between their injuries. Did you try to do that? It, is it just bad luck? I mean, was there anything that you need to do differently or have been able to do differently? Uh, I had to get my, my legs stronger to start with. And then there's, you know, there's other things that you can just take advantage of in a, in a long rehab process. So first injury was a little bit more complicated where it was more of a nerve problem, but the second injury was, you know, more of a complete tear to see. And, you know, there was going to be a longer period of time out where it was definitely going to be out. So, um, yeah, just working on on everything I can I can do at that time to, to get stronger mentally and physically. I think a lot of fans sort of skip over the mental health side of what it's like for an athlete who's trying to come back. How would you describe what that was like to sort of not just look after your body but also your mind? Yeah, I had, I had some some really tough days, some really, really, you know, not want to do anything, kind of just sit in my room all day and, you know, not want to go outside, not in the mood to, to talk to my family, not in the mood to talk to my friends. So, um, yeah, you got to you gotta try to find ways to, to take the positives and, you know, the little victories in a, in a rehab process. I guess once the kind of first wind of that initial anger comes, then you can uh, look towards little vi victories and you see progress and, you know, you start to, to put goals down and, you know, really start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and then it uh, starts to get a little bit easier. A number of American guys have ended up in the Premier League recently. Has it, has it been hard for you uh, or, you know, to see so many of the guys together in the same league? Are you, does it change the way you look at what you want for your own career? No, not right now. No, I'm, I'm happy at Dortmund. I think I don't, I don't really want to look at, at anything like that. I'm, my goal is just Dortmund right now. Obviously, it's a, Dortmund's a, one of the best teams in the world. It's a top, top club with you know a great team and great players. So it's obviously a really good league in the Bundesliga too. But obviously, the Premier League is a very good league. So um, yeah, I'm just happy to see all Americans doing well wherever they are. All right, if you've been paying attention, you know, Football America is now three days a week here on ESPN+. Plus. One of those editions of the show, you can catch those Road to Guitar interviews with Sam Borden. We have this incredible stats and information group, and we, we have them bring us sad statistics like this. Uh, Gio Reyna's playing time, obviously a cut short both for club and national team because of those injuries. Time now to welcome into the show Derek Ray. He's actually going to be calling Der Klassiker this weekend on ESPN Plus. Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund. I know that's a big treat for you, Derek. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. Great to be on with both of you, as always. It is a big treat. It is the most high-profile fixture in the Bundesliga from a world audience point of view. And it's always a drama in of itself. You never quite know what's going to happen. Okay, people will say, yes, Bayern have won this fixture seven times in a row. But there are individual incidents that no doubt we'll be talking about for weeks and maybe months to come. And we'll see whether Gio Reyna is part of the story this time. All right, let's, uh, let's focus in on Gio Reyna because I'm curious, Derek, you always uh, very much know what's going on in the German press. I wonder what's been the reaction in Germany, not to just to Gio Reyna's continued injury issues, but to the fact that he went away with the national team, started two games, and then came back to Dortmund injured. I'm sure that hasn't gone over well. 
There wasn't actually too much made of it. There were one or two reports, certainly from the people who focus on Dortmund week in, week out. Maybe one or two people were bemused that he played as much as he did. But I think it was to be expected that he would play. Of course, disappointing that he came back injured. But at the same time, there's a realisation at Borussia Dortmund that this is a balance and that they are not going to be silly and have not been silly about rushing him back. We've seen that throughout the season so far. They see Gio Reyna as a long-term part of their future, not a quick fix. And they have other options in the attacking midfield positions, of course, but they would like to have Gio Reyna playing more than he has done. But at the same time, nobody, nobody wants a repeat of what happened to the poor guy last season. Uh, Gio Reyna would be 20 heading into the World Cup, 20 years old. His contract goes from now until 2025. How much of an important of a year is this? This is a make or break year for Gio Reyna, Derek. I'm not sure it's make or break, Herc, but I, I get where you're coming from. It's certainly a very important one, and he's going to be feeling, I want that World Cup. This is my showcase. I've gone through purgatory, if you like, over the course of the last year, and I'm due a break. And it's interesting to hear him talk in that interview about wanting to basically shut himself off. I was in the same pizzeria as him quite recently after one of the games, and he didn't want to shut himself off there. He was with friends and uh, other admirers and was enjoying himself but of course there is this balance and it is a bit of a, a balance between euphoria on the one hand that he's been fit again not fit for the whole season uh, but also a balance between that and caution because of what happened last term I always wonder, Derek, how do you get those scoops? Now we know it's all about uh, where you eat. Uh, always finding out the right slice of, uh, of pizza pie. <clears throat> On the other side of the Classico, of course, we have Bayern Munich uh, and Alfonso Davies. Just how big of a role does he play for this team? And what kind of role do you see him playing on Saturday against Dortmund? He plays a huge role for Bayern nowadays. And Julian Nagelsmann, the coach, was talking about him just the other day and actually talking about how together they've devised, if you like, a new interpretation of left-back. Now, Bayern have been playing with a back four and you think about a left-back being somebody who goes up and down the touchline. And Davies can do that, but he's also been cutting more into the middle. And that's by design as far as Julian Nagelsmann is concerned. And look out for that in the game against Borussia. Dortmund. The other thing to say about Davies is, and a lot of people don't like to focus on it, but it is a fact, he's the joint fastest player in the Bundesliga. So when you have that raw pace, then you go to strike fear in opponents. And so he is right there in terms of the pace factor, but he's got the skill factor as well. And the thing that you look at about Davies is that he keeps improving. He had that setback uh, at the beginning of the year, after contracting COVID, but he stuck to his task. And yeah, Bayern are delighted to have him on board. Slow start for Bayern, no doubt, but a fast start for Jordan Pifak in Union Berlin. Mm. It has mm -hmm. everybody taking notice except Greg Berhalter. So what's what's been the perception in Germany, especially the Bundesliga, with Jordan Pifak being left off the U.S. roster? Well, I think most people who realized that he wasn't in the squad were taken by surprise because it stands to reason when you have somebody who's come into the Bundesliga from Swiss football and has taken the league by storm so far, you would assume that player 
would be in his national team squad, but he wasn't. And um, actually, his striking partner, Geraldo Becker, also wasn't playing national team football. So you had the best striking partnership on current form in the Bundesliga recently during the international period and the two players kicking their heels um, with Union on the training ground. Um, so I think people who, who study these things would imagine that a player like Jordan would eventually be in the US national team squad. I'll tell you what one of my colleagues said, Bjarne Goldbeck, who used to play in the Bundesliga, former Danish international, and he said after one of the recent Union games, looking at Jordan, I can imagine him fitting in with Bayern in the old Lewandowski role. Now, again, some people will say that is overstating the case, but you understand where he's coming from. A centre-forward is what Bayern actually have lacked, a true centre-forward, and there's somebody who's doing it for Union. So there's still time for him between now and the World Cup. I would imagine if he keeps on performing. He didn't, by the way, at the weekend against Eintracht. They were all disappointing for Union. But if he does keep performing, he's got to be going to Qatar. Jordan Pifak, the next Robert Lewandowski. I can see the headlines now. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I love stuff like that. All right, one more thing, Derek. Here, uh, before we let you go, Munchen Gladbach. They got crushed over the weekend, five to one. Is that result and the fallout of that result going to end up costing Joe Scally his starting job? Well, it's funny you ask, Seb, because I tweeted about this just a few hours ago and I got a bit of pushback from some U.S. national team fans on it. What I was saying was that after a horror show, which is what it was for Gladbach and for Scali personally, after a horror show, there will be changes. And the problem for Scali is as well as he's done, and he has done well to start every single match at right back, he has fierce competition in the person of Stefan Leiner, who's an established Austrian international national who's been a little bit cheesed off let's say that he hasn't been playing so far this season but the young american scally has taken his place so this is now going to be the opportunity you would think for liner scally has if you like given him that opportunity not just joe scally in the last game there were many who struggled but I think it is pretty logical and certainly my sources in uh gladbach tell me that it's pretty likely that we'll see a change at right back. Ironically, for the biggest Gladbach game of the season, which is always the derby, uh, the Rheinische Derby against Köln. So we'll see what happens with Scali. He's done well, take nothing away from him, uh, but it does go with the territory as a young player against seasoned professionals that sometimes you have to sit one out. Yeah, a little bit different than uh, last year. He held on to that starting job till he got COVID, and eventually they beat Bayern Munich yep. without him. Then he kind of uh, was out of the starting lineup from then on out. Here it seems like four might, uh, might indeed cost him the job. All right, there he is, Derek Gray, calling Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund this weekend. Derek, enjoy it. We're pumped to hear your call on their Klassiker, as always. Thank you, guys. Great to be on with you. There he is, Derek Ray. You can hear him on the call. Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund, third and fourth in the table. They're even on points. What a game. Do not miss it. Saturday on ESPN Plus. Coverage starts 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. All right, Herc, time to talk Major League Soccer. Two huge games on Wednesday night Uh as far as playoffs go. We got an epic goal, epic fail from Columbus against Charlotte. You got love for Lucas Elarayan or shade for Christian Kalina, the Charlotte goalie? Can it be both here? Honestly, I mean, it's an epic goal because it's on turf. Heads up play by Salarayan. Nobody's taking that away from him. But Christian Kalina. I mean, this could be the goal that literally cost you playoffs if you're Charlotte. You cannot get beat from there. 
That's why it's probably epic fail, right? You kind of gave away the highlight, but uh, we'll get to itself because the game itself was big. It was actually a game that was postponed, remember? Yep. Uh, they had to start this one right around the quarter hour mark. Uh, Charlotte needed a win to keep their playoff hopes alive, but they fell behind early. Herc never really recovered. No, never really recovered. Uh, though the final minutes gave you a lot to think about, honestly, another two minutes they would have won this game, but that's not the way football is played. Unfortunate because the crowd was electric. I mean, I saw the production crew texting about this in the group chat, turned it on, and all of a sudden I found myself immersed in the second half. Ridiculous finish, another late giveaway by Columbus. Look at that. Yeah, Andre Shinyashiki there to make it 2-2 late. Charlotte out of the playoffs. The crew miss out on a chance to clinch elsewhere in the Eastern Conference. Massive Florida Derby inter Miami and Orlando. And how about this? Miami in the first minute. Leonardo Campana. Listen, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. One of the hottest teams right now in Major League Soccer is in South Florida. One of the hottest goal scorers in Major League Soccer has a bald head. This team in a must-win game for Orlando put four on them. Literally, literally stripped them down. Do it, do it, the gritty. Beat down. Miami and Orlando both fighting for the playoffs. Uh, Inter-Miami clinches a spot in the postseason. Orlando uh, still with some work to do. Lots of hate on this show for Phil Neville and company, but they are going to the postseason. There's the deal in the East. We got three teams still alive, only two spots, Cincy, Columbus, and Orlando in that order. Cincinnati is at DC United on Sunday. Columbus is away to Orlando. Hurt, who is gonna be the odd team out in the Eastern Conference? Uh, the Columbus crew, SC. SC, you see what I did there, SC. Um, I can't trust this Caleb Porter team. Now, you can look at 11 ties. Is that what it is, 10 ties? No, it's, it's 11, isn't it? 16 draws. I'm scared. You could look at 16 draws and say, well, it's a team that doesn't lose games. But look at how they're drawing. Look at how they're losing points. They set a record, a season record for points lost after regulation time. 11! The Columbus Crew, 11 points lost this season. Think about where those points could put them. Think about the different type of energy this Columbus Crew team could have going into the playoffs in a game against Inter where you knew you had to Manage at least a result, and I'm talking about a draw because it seems very easy for you to draw. You should have came out to win, and you let them draw. You let them come right back into you. You let them come right back into the game. I, I am so holding firm that if this game was another two minutes, Columbus would have lost. Um, I can't trust a team that now has to go into Orlando and, and, and get a tie. Um, win or tie, and they're in. When Orlando's got their backs against the wall after that abysmal performance, and I believe Columbus's win record away from home is only three wins. Mm. I'm going with Orlando on this one, which would mean that Columbus uh, is the odd man out here. Yeah. I mentioned uh, Cincinnati is away to DC United. I think you figure Cincinnati is going to roll them. Uh, that means they'll be in. Although, what a story it would be if the team that currently has the wooden spoon kept, keeps the, the reigning wooden spoon winners uh, out of the postseason. As far as just like a one-off game, Herc, and not trusting Columbus, I also have a lot of faith in Orlando in a one-off game at home yeah. based on our experience there in the Open Cup. Add True. on top of that, it's Orlando in October. And I know a lot of people think you don't want to go down to Orlando or Houston in the summer. And you don't. It is very hot there. But if you're in Columbus right now, it's fall. It's cold. It's getting chilly. You're about to go down to Orlando for a must-win game in that place 
in those temperatures and have to pull out three points, that's going to be really tough for Columbus. And I tell you what, Herc, if Columbus misses the playoffs, it'll be a damn shame. That's a really good team. We saw Celarayan, Cucho Hernandez is a guy that has a lot of people very excited. And they have lost a lot of points from winning positions. They will have only themselves to blame, Columbus, if they don't make it into the postseason. Well, no, you could still probably blame the coach, Caleb Porter. I mean, something to be said when you go from winning and doing well to the next season not even been going in, and it seems to be a pattern. That's right. Hey, Campionitis times two then uh, for Columbus Crew SC. If they don't, if they don't uh, make the postseason, still a chance to do that should they be able to beat Orlando on Sunday. What about Herc in the Western Conference of Major League Soccer? Things dramatic is there as well. Uh, we got four teams fighting for two spots. Portland, Minnesota, Real Salt Lake, and Vancouver. That's how they stack up in the table. And the schedulers, Herc, they nailed it. We got Portland at RSL. And we got Minnesota hosting Vancouver. So, Herc, who is in, uh, but more importantly, who is out in the Western Conference? Out of the Western Conference, uh, Portland and Minnesota. Let me go to Portland first. Um, out of the teams that are in playoff line, playoff position, away from home, they're the worst. Only three games won, mm -hmm. right? Uh, a tie would suffice, but I don't know if that's going to do them any well because Rousseau Lake can't tie. They need to win if they have any <laughs> chance of going to the postseason. You add what's going on on the field right now, their away game uh, struggles with what's going on off the field and everything mm. Portland is immersed in. I think it's too much for Gio Savarez and those men. And Gio started tinkering last game uh, where, where Chara, Jimmy Chara was going to – literally play every single game, start every single game of the season, and the last game of the season, or second last game of the season, excuse me, uh, against LAFC, decides to sit him and they ended up getting beat by LAFC uh, in regulation time. Um, I, I'm going with Portland out on this one, I just think it's too much. And Minnesota on the other end. Minnesota haven't won in their last six. They've only managed to get one point in those last six, okay? They've only scored two goals in that stretch. It's a stretch that equals the worst stretch in Minnesota franchise history. They've lost to teams like Rousseau Lake, outside the playoff line right now, Sporting Kansas City, who dropped four on them, and San Jose just recently. This would be a fracaso of all fracasos for Adrian Heath, for Minnesota United, for where they were at the beginning and middle of this season to now. This skid Right now, if I were Minnesota, if I were Adrian Heath, I would be very nervous. Adrian Heath and Minnesota United have never been your favorites, Herc. Let the record show. I love show. Minnesota. Uh, you got them in the crosshairs uh, yet again here on what Football America. So you go. say Portland <laughs> and Minnesota United are going to be the two teams to miss out. Uh, I agree with you to some extent, but not entirely. Okay. I think Portland... Uh, is going to miss out. But I think Minnesota will win their game. I'm going with the basics, right? I'm, I'm kind of going with the home teams here. Minnesota at home in a must win against Vancouver, a team they're not much better than, but marginally better than on if we go on the table. Uh, I think they will get the, do the job done. I'm a little less confident. I'm a little less confident uh, in RSL. RSL needs to win, as you say, but they don't win, Hurt. They don't win. They just don't win games. They've won two games. Uh, in the last two months, going all the way back uh, to the start of August. But, but RSL's a tough place to play. I know the elevation can get to people there. And I think they will win the game. Plus, many, many moons ago on this show, I said that Portland would miss the playoffs. 
uh, in part agreeing with what you just said, which was because of the off-the-field stuff. So uh, for once in the history of this show, I will be consistent. I'll stick with my pick, Herc, yeah. uh, and I will say that the well, Portland the team Timbers that I say would miss the, pay- the playoffs is already out. So Seattle Sounders. The same day you pick Portland, I pick the uh, Seattle Sounders. Wow, look at that. Look at us. And, and look at us. who knows? We may both be right uh, on this very special occasion. All right, it is Decision Day on Sunday, and we got you covered across the ESPN platforms. It is RSL against Portland, the big one. Winner takes all. Uh, well, not entirely. You know, if you draw, you get in. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time, our coverage starts. And then we're going to have Decision Day coverage of everything that's happening. Uh, of course, we'll cover what happened in the Eastern Conference earlier in the afternoon, uh, but also everything happening live in the Western Conference. Those two huge games, Portland RSL, Minnesota Vancouver on ESPN Deportes. Decision Day coverage. Do not miss it. All right, we got uh, more fallout from the Sally Yates investigation, Herc. The Chicago Red Stars Board of Directors has voted to remove Arnim Whistler, the team's owner, as chairman of the board. In a statement, the club saying it will, quote, codify his removal from any further participation with either club or board operations, end quote. On Tuesday, Whistler announced he would remove himself from the NWSL Board of Directors, according to the Sally Yates report Whistler repeatedly dismissed allegations against his head coach at the time with the Chicago Red Stars, Rory Dames. Now, that's not all the fallout. There's more. Calvin Wilkinson, longtime president of soccer for both the Portland Timbers and Portland Thorns, has been fired as his president of business, uh, Mike Golub, after both men were named in the Sally Yates investigation. According to the investigation, Wilkinson played a key role in helping conceal allegations against Paul Riley. Uh, there is, of course, reaction to this from all over. Let's hear from a couple national teamers, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn and Megan Rapino. The players are not doing well. We are horrified and heartbroken and frustrated and exhausted and really, really angry. We are angry that it took a third-party investigation. We are angry that it took an article in The Athletic and The Washington Post and numerous others. We're angry that it took over 200 people sharing their trauma to get to this point right now. And we are angry that it took Mana and Sinead and Aaron and Kaya and Alex and Kristen and Sam to repeatedly ask people in authority to take their abuse and their concerns seriously. And I think for so long, this has always fallen on the player to demand change. And that is because the people in authority and decision-making positions have repeatedly failed to protect us. And they have failed to hold themselves and each other accountable. And what and who are you actually protecting and what values are you upholding? You have failed in your stewardship. And it's my opinion that Every owner and executive and U.S. soccer official who has repeatedly failed the players and failed to protect the players who have hidden behind legalities and have not participated fully in these investigations should be gone. I mean, I think it's essential, obviously. Um, You know, those people are in positions that have responsibilities, and they didn't fulfill those responsibilities. They um, didn't protect the players at all. amidst year after year after year. I feel like it's just like, it's just like impossible to overstate that every single year someone said something about 
multiple coaches in the league and about multiple different environments. So if, you know, year after year after year, you, you cannot perform your duties. I know I wouldn't be in my position if I couldn't perform my duties year after year, uh, much less practice after practice, likely. So it's just, um, you know, and obviously the, the horrific consequences that come with them not performing those duties, putting players at risk, putting future players at risk. Obviously, Paul went on and coached, um, you know, a ton of different players um, and kept doing the exact same thing. So it's just unacceptable. Like, you don't get to – it's a privilege to, um, you know, be in a position around sports or be in one of those um, positions or to play um, sport. And it's not something that just lasts forever if you don't um, appreciate it. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. For more on this, time to welcome Jen Carson to Football America. She's the producer of the E60 report that everybody is talking about. Truth be told, the story of the NWSL's 2021 season. Jen, great to have you with us here on the program. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so let's maybe start very big picture. I'm curious as to your approach on this story because there's a lot of different strings you could have pulled from. And what I thought was really great about the E60, something I very much enjoyed, was I thought you did a good job of telling the story, not just the story that happened in 2021, but the story that led up to it. So I kind of am curious about your approach and your goals when you set out to tell the story. Yeah, I think when we were thinking about how we wanted to go about it at E60, we knew that if we just launched straight into 2021, that uh, it might be confusing for some viewers, it might be too much too fast. And so we really felt like it was important to show the roots and the seeds of women's professional soccer in the United States to show that some of these issues weren't, you know, they didn't just begin in 2021, right? They had gone back years and years, decades and leagues before the NWSL, um, not just f- from uh, the misconduct and the, the abuse issues that we saw unfold um, recently, but even just from a professional level, we wanted to be able to depict how these women were being treated. What were the standards? Did they have policies? Um, and, and we found that they didn't. And we wanted to explore what effect that had on players, on their mentality, 
on you know the, this fragility that was felt even once the NWSL comes around in 2012. Uh, as excited as players were, it was you know every day was day by day, and so we wanted to be able to tell that history in order for the viewer, whether they followed soccer or not, to have that context, that much needed context, so that once we do get into the NWSL, um, there's more of an emotional investment and there's more of an understanding when we get to some of these bigger issues that we cover in the body of the film. Jen, you conducted a ton of interviews for um, this excuse me, E60 project. I'm curious what interview was most poignant and your biggest takeaway from said interview? Yeah, we, we conducted about 25 interviews over the course of about nine months. And we sat down with, with people for anywhere from one to three hours. And uh, it was a lot for a lot of people to have to sit through an interview like that, especially one that uh, we were asking such sensitive questions. And, you know, for some people, they were, you know, dealing with these, these emotions for the first time. And so um, for me, I think one of the interviews that really stands out to me that unfortunately didn't make uh, a ton in the film, it, it, it didn't uh, get to land as much as the interview with Merritt Mathias from the NC Courage. This is somebody who played for Paul Riley. Um, she was supposed to go um, play for him in the WPS, and that league folded the same week, and she played for him in his semi-professional league, um, in the semi-professional league that he coached, uh, along with Sinead Fairley. And when this news all came out on September 30th, 2021, it rocked her, and she had no idea. This was somebody who she trusted. This is somebody who, you know, she had dogs at for Paul Riley. He knew her intimately as a person. He, you know, believed in her, and it really shook her up. And I think that was a reaction from a lot of players, this guilt of, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the interviews that I found really fascinating was your, your chat with Sunil Gulati, the former president of U.S. soccer. According to this report, he would have known somewhere around 2014 about the complaints uh, against Paul Riley. He was the president of U.S. soccer into early 2018, and obviously uh, nothing was done there about Paul Riley. But uh, the way you chose to end the E60 was with a quote, effectively, from Gulati, in which he really doesn't say much. He just kind of says he can't answer the question because of other investigations and other things. I, I wonder what was your experience like interviewing Sunil Gulati and, and why you chose to to effectively end the E60 on, on that soundbite. That's a great question, Sebastian. We we felt we felt like it was really important to sit down with Sunil. He was the president of U.S. Soccer for so long, and U.S. Soccer was the um, was managing the league until 2020. Every single player of uh, every single evaluation that came through came through his desk. When there were end of year surveys by players, they passed through his desk, and so. You know, obviously, the Sally Yates report uncovered a lot about what Sunil Gulati actually did know. And when I did request to interview him, um, I did want to talk about, obviously, why U.S. soccer wanted to launch this league, what was behind it. But I did make it known that we were going to be asking him difficult questions. And at first, that was told to me that that was off the table. And I said, well, if it's off the table, then we, we can't proceed, because these questions are very important, and Sunil can answer them however he wants to. And 
in the interview with Sunil Gulati, which was about an hour long, uh, with every question that is asked to him about player abuse, about players coming forward to him, if he knew anything, every single an answer is either no comment or I can't talk about that because there's an ongoing investigation. So we decided to include one of those answers in the epilogue um, towards the end of the documentary when we're getting into the issues about Rory Dames and Kristen Press and how she had reported him to Sunil Gulati on multiple occasions and, uh, and to U.S. soccer on multiple occasions. And that's... Um, you know, Rory Dames continued to coach, nothing was done. We found it to be really important for the viewers to know that we did ask him this and that this was his response. And, you know, that was important for us at E60 to make sure that that was included. The lack of self-awareness on Sunil Gulati. Um, speaking of, uh, another interview that made a lot of news was ex-commissioner of the NWSL, Lisa Baird. Uh, I'm curious what that was like for you, that whole setting with Lisa Baird. Yeah, Herc, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, again, Lisa Baird was, was somebody who we found, we, we thought it was pivotal that we sat down with Lisa Baird. This was obviously a story that we found was heartbreaking, but um, empowering for women that they, they took their power back. And we also, though, as journalists, needed to make sure that we were trying to sit down with everybody that we could on the other side of things to make sure that, um, you know, there was accountability being held and that we were asking um, the right questions to people that were in charge at the time and that they were given the opportunity to give their side of the story. And so with Lisa Baird, uh, when we sat down with her, Lisa Salters, our reporter for this, did such an incredible job of asking her very simple and direct questions. And f for those who saw the film, um, it's really hard for Lisa Baird to answer those very simple questions. It was an incredibly tense room. I, I felt like you could hear my heart beating outside of my chest as I was, you know, off camera watching and, and listening to the interview. And you know, we've been editing this for four months. I've I've seen that interview hundreds of times at this point, mm. and each time I see it, I'm still shocked. Uh, Jen, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to ask you uh, one more thing, because something that came out in the Sally Yates investigation was that uh, some of the NWSL teams weren't exactly cooperative. I wonder what your experiences were like as you worked through the process of putting this documentary together. It was really hard to try to sit down with as many people as we wanted to. Um, and reflecting now, you know, we did reach out to the Portland Thorns organization to try to sit down with current players that play on the Thorns. And as you know, in the film, we weren't able to sit down with any of them, and that wasn't for our lack of trying. I don't know what happened there. I don't know what transpired. But it wasn't surprising to me to find out that the Thorns had, you know, essentially sort of guarded the players in some way, shape, or form from participating in these investigations and in continuing to try to cover things up and to protect their own reputation. And so mm. it was a difficult thing throughout the filmmaking process to make sure that we were sitting down with, with current players and um, players that had a voice and, and wanted to speak to this. We didn't want to pressure anybody, but uh, that was definitely a challenge as we moved forward in the documenting of the story.
All right, well, there it is, the E60 Truth Be Told, available now on ESPN+. Jen Carson, great to have you here with us on Football Americas, and great, great job on this report. Thanks, Jen. Thank you guys so much for having me. Unfortunately, Herc, we got some bad news on the field as well for the U.S. women's national team ahead of their showdown against England on Friday. Mallory Pugh is out for the England game as well as the Spain game because of a family commitment, and she won't be replaced on the roster. Pugh, Kelly O'Hara, and Taylor Korniak, all eight scratches, plus uh, Alex Morgan, of course, we know was left at home with a knee injury. Herc, can the U.S. overcome these injuries to beat England at what we assume will be a sold-out Wembley Stadium. Uh, very difficult. So where are the goals going to come from? I mean, you're going to play Sophia Smith at the nine position? Uh, is that good enough at the international level? It seems to be good enough at the NWSL, number one at the international level. We've mm-hmm. seen how anemic this attack has been in the She Believes Cup when Alex Morgan wasn't part of that. And now you have an in-fire, in-form Alex Morgan who's not part of this. At times, even with Alex Morgan, in the CONCACAF W tournament, you saw how lackluster the team looked offensively. Where will the goals come from? I, I can't yeah. sit here with, with a good face and tell you I, I think this U.S. Women's National Team is going to go into Wembley Stadium and come out victorious. Yeah. I think Mallory Pugh is probably your player that was the most likely to create a goal-scoring opportunity. And Alex Morgan is the player that is most likely to finish a goal-scoring opportunity. I didn't even mention Katarina Macario, but we see the video of her as well and we know she's out long term so the U.S. definitely not at full strength. It's hard for me to pick against this U.S. team, uh, Herc. I was looking at the <laughs> odds. They were they were doing some weird stuff today. Let me tell you this. So uh, I looked at it about let's say two o'clock Eastern, so a few hours ago. USA was plus 10, England was plus 120. So a pretty significant gap there, right? That means England is a, is a somewhat significant favorite according to the odds makers. Just before the show, England was up to plus 150. USA was at plus 165. That gap had narrowed. What do the odds makers know, or what are they trying to adjust for uh, that we don't? There are a couple of important English absences as well. Leah Williamson, their captain, is out. Alicia Russo uh, is out as well. So look, the U.S. always has a, a fighting chance. Uh, I always, I always bet on the U.S. women, and I'm going to bet on them here, Herc. I'm going to bet on them. I'm going to take them at, at plus two ten or plus one sixty five or whatever I can get them at. I, I like your impromptu book. It. I will add this. Uh, for, while for many of this current U.S. women's national team, that will be in the starting eleven uh, more likely. It will be a new experience versus England. Uh, a lot of those players were there in 2019 in the semifinal when Alex Morgan was lifting the pinky. They'll remember Ooh. that. Venganza, a little revenge maybe. Okay, I think uh, uh, one more quick note on this. I think a big factor in who wins could come down to goalie, and I don't know what Vladko Andonofsky is going to do. Because if he goes with a listener, that's the player with the experience in these types of situations, which is what you want. But you also want to get Casey Murphy, who's probably your number two, experience in these types of situations, which she doesn't have. Uh, so if you go with Casey Murphy, that might be a slight disadvantage, just given the fact that a listener has that experience. And to your point about the, the semifinal back in 2019, we know it was a listener who made the big play uh, against the English uh, in that semifinal showdown. All right, so it's the USA against England on Friday, and then next Tuesday, it's the USA against Spain on ESPN2. Julian Foudy and I will be on the call. We hope you'll join us for that. Coverage starts at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time next Tuesday, October 11th. All right, Liga Mekis playoff time, or at least repechaje time, play-in time. These are teams 5 through 12 from the regular season, fighting for a spot in the quarterfinals. 
inside the top four on Saturday. We got Tigres hosting Necaxa, Cruz Azul hosting León on Sunday. Toluca at home against Juárez and Puebla hosting Las Chivas de Guadalajara. All right, Herc, no more impromptu book. It's a real book it here as we get ready for the repechaje rounds. Now, we have a money line pick for each of the four games. We also have like a prop bet or a parlay bet that we picked. Uh, we're going to start with the first game, which will be on Saturday. Tigres against Necaxa. Herc, what is your pick here? All right, so I was uh, in charge of the prop bet here. So mm -hmm. I went with total goals. One and a half under, okay? That's gonna pay you plus 135. There, you see right there, 110, excuse me. The line move, I'm still taking it. Tigres uh, is the best defensive team in the league. The best defensive team in the league. Necaxa, not too shabby. They only gave up five more goals than Tigres. When you look at this team, I know the names, Diente Lopez, out on the shelf, Andre Pierre Gignac, Sebastian Cordova, there's some sexy names offensively. But the prime players in these games, usually when it comes to Necaxa and Tigres, are the goalkeepers. Nahuel Guzman, Malagón. The last four times they played each other, the last four times, you couldn't accumulate more than four goals. It was four goals in those four games. That's it. They tend to be low-goal-scoring low games. The last time these two teams played this regular season, it was a 0-0 tie. I see Tigres going through, but with the 1-0 on PKs, I'm taking Tigres. Wow, by the minimum difference. Okay, because you were the one telling me Tigres is the biggest, the biggest threat in Ligia if they survive the repechaje. And here you're saying you think they're going to advance, but you think it'll only be 1-0. Well, the bet is 1.5 for Tigres under, so it could be a 1-1 in the advance on PKs, right? They advance on PKs, sure. Do you get the win there on that? Would you, get the, would you cover on that if, if yes, they advance sir, on PKs? I thought cover. these were over, uh, over 90 minutes. Okay, so there you have it. So you've got uh, Tigres to uh, advance or win one nothing. Uh, honestly, dude, I'm, I'm huge on Tigres here. I was the one that had to make the money line pick. I'm taking Tigres all the way. Uh, I really don't give Necaxa much of any chance here. I, I, all we talked about on the last show was Andre Pierre Gignac. He's red hot. He scored two goals in the last game of the regular season. Uh, I think Tigres is, as you said, as big a threat as there is in Liga MX to Club América, who, of course, we know finished first in the regular season. So I think they wiped the floor with Necaxa. Uh, maybe maybe not like three or four nothing, but uh, I think one nothing is very conservative, Herc. And I'm, I'm surprised to see you here, the primary host and anchor of Tigres Television, uh, abandoning Tigres. It sounds like I'm you're losing faith a real one bit. out of the two. I don't let DC United sway me. I don't let the U.S. Women's National Team sway me. I don't let the Mexican National Team sway me. I speak the truth. Okay. Uh, Cruz Azul against Leon, our next match to focus on here. That one also uh, late uh, on Saturday night. Now, uh, I had the pick first here, and I was uh, either a prop or a parlay. So what have I gone with? Ah, I see what I did here. I'm picking a goal, Kirk, to be scored by either team between minutes 76 and full time. Now, why am I doing this? Shame. One, because Your it's repechaje, right? It's effectively the wild card. We're, we're expecting wild things to happen here. So I love a late goal. Also, uh, remind me who Leon is playing here, Herc. That's right. That's right. It's Cruz Azul. So we know there's a 50% there's a chance of a Cruz Azuliada, which means Leon scores late and something dramatic happens. So I love this. It's not a huge payout. It's only minus 115, but sometimes you need winners. You don't need home run. You just need a single. This is a single. I'm taking a goal in the last 15 minutes between Cruz Azul yeah. 
And Leon, who you got winning it, Herb? I got Cruz Azul on the money line. Uh, this also happens to be the two worst teams defensively in all Liga MX. I'm not talking about playoffs in all Liga MX, but Cruz Azul is a different team under Diego Aguirre. They were a different team. Now with Potro Gutierrez, completely different team. And more in the domestic setup, how he's trusted his domestic players. Uh, Chuy Corona, the goalkeeper, he's back in, solidified that back line. Eric Lira in the middle. Uriel Antuna, they're a different team, different players, and he's getting the best out of them. Won four out of the last five. In each of those games, he scored, or they scored two or more goals, two goals, excuse me. Uh, I am taking Cruz Azul right here over Leon, which I just can't trust. They've been so Jekyll and Hyde. I'm surprised they're even in the playoffs. All right, so we got uh, Tigres and Cruz Azul advancing on Saturday. Uh, what about the Sunday doubleheader, Hurt? Yeah. We'll start with Toluca and Juarez, and we'll start actually with my pick. Uh, I didn't do a prop bet here. I went parlay. Toluca to win and under one and a half. So effectively, I am telling you Toluca is going to win this game by a final score of one nothing. And actually, that payout is wrong right there. Huh? It's plus 600 if they win one nothing. It's plus 245 if Toluca wins and it's under two and a half. Goal score. That's for the more conservative folks out there. But if you want a real home run swing, this is it. Plus 600, Toluca to win, under one and a half goals. Why do I say this? One, Juarez doesn't give up a lot of early goals, right? So I think this game is going to be 0-0 for a while. I think Toluca eventually gets the breakthrough, but then I don't think they chase it. I think this is the kind of game, repechaje, your season kind of gets defined on this, right? You make the quarterfinals, people will say it was a success. You go out in the repechaje against a lower-seeded team, your Toluca, people will say it was a failure. I think they hold on to that lead, so I think it's a one nothing win for Toluca, plus 600, Herc, major payout. Who you got, money line? That is a major payout. I am taking Toluca. I don't know about that. Listen, Juarez is a bend but try not to break type of team. They defend very, very well. That's about all they do. Talavera, he's 187 years old, and he defends very well that Arco. But they don't attack. And guess who does? Toluca. And they've got plenty of firepower. Leo Fernandez. Charlie Gonzalez, even though he's only scored one goal this season, he's going to break out sooner or later. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Camilo Sandeso, John Meneses, Navarro. There's too many good players offensively for Juarez to hold on playing away from home. In that altitude, one of the craziest places you can play, I don't think they're going to uh, hold on for too much longer. I actually think once that first goal goes in, it's going to be an explosion, but I see Toluca going through. Okay, there you have it. Toluca over Juarez uh, in the repechaje. One more matchup to go. It is the uh, Sunday afternoon evening affair. Puebla hosting Chivas. This is the one that everybody is going to be focused on come Sunday, Herc. Uh, we'll start with you. What's your prop parlay special bet here? All right, both teams score, no draw, plus 140. Why both teams score? Because uh, usually Puebla will give you that goal against. And because Chivas, even though they don't have a legit number nine, has been pretty good about scoring their one goal. The issue is they've not won in the last five. Forget the last three games. You can add a Club America and Cincinnati in there, those friendlies. There's no friendlies. There's no losses, friendly losses, if you're a... Equipo Grande, a big team. Losses are losses, and winning is habitual. They've not done that, so they will be desperate, and they will get stretched out. I think that's where Puebla takes advantage of that, but they will get their draw. I just don't see this one like the last two additions going to penalty kicks, uh, but okay. I see goals. Okay, you see goals. That should, be, uh, that should be very exciting. You've got both teams to score. 
You didn't tell us who who you think is going to win. Let me tell you who I think is going to win, and then you can respond. Uh, My mother would disown me if I picked Chivas on this show. Uh, She's, of course, a lifelong Americanista, so I'm not going to pick Chivas. But I also don't believe in Chivas. I haven't believed in them all season. I'm not going to start believing now. I think Puebla is the team to beat in this showdown. They're at home. And Chivas, I just don't have faith, Herc. Do you have any faith in Las Chivas Rayadas de Guadalajara? I do not. Um, because Puebla, even though they tie a lot at home, they're a very good team. They only lost one game at home, and that was to the best team in the league, Club América. That said, Chivas lose. Not only is Cadena on the chopping block, Ricardo Pelayes is as well. A lot of rumors circulating that Ramon Ramirez up on deck to take over that job. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, so you pick Tigres, one of your former teams. You pick in Puebla too? Yes. Excellent. Look at Hercules Gomez going against our producer Beto and his Chivas loving ways. Quick run it back here. Josh Sargent with his second assist of the season for Norwich against Reading. If that's an assist, we need to update my bio. (laughs) Josh Sargent with the asterisk assist, we'll say, but it is his second of the season. Unfortunately for Norwich, they couldn't win the game. Finishes in a 1-1 draw against Reading. Of course, the championship available for you as are many other footballing properties right here on ESPN+. That's it for today's edition of the show. We will be back on Monday with a full recap of everything that happened over the weekend as well as that big game between the United States and England at Wembley on the women's side. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you after the weekend. A shirt, bro. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.